0: stretch yourself. You really see you can't lead if you are stuck in the status quo that nobody ever got excited by a leader set who said, hey, let's go do more of the same things we've always been doing. There's nothing there.
1: You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant Nicole Greer. Welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. My name is Nicole Greer. They call me the Vibrant Coach, and I am here today with none other than Deb Calvert. Deb has over 25 years of experience in leadership development, organizational effectiveness, and management training. She was an HR director with a Fortune 500 company prior to founding People First Productivity Solutions in 2005. Deb is an ICF certified executive coach, a licensed practitioner in numerous assessment tools, and a certified master of the leadership challenge. She is a published author and her research and methodologies have been published globally in academic journals. We have some serious genius on the show today. Deb, I'm so glad you're here with us.
0: Oh, thanks Nicole. I'm honored to be here. You've got C- serious genius on the show every time you're there, so it's all good.
1: Oh, well, you know, hey, I'll pay you later for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I I went through your website, and first of all, everybody who's listening, you have got to go um to the website, and let me tell you what it is. It's peoplefirstps.com. There is a plethora of goodies over there, and you would just be foolish if you didn't go over there and take a look at what she's got for you. So the first thing I noticed that, uh, of course, in your bio, it also says that you're an author. And so the first book um, is Discover Questions and Get Connected. Did I get the title right? Yeah, almost. Discover Questions, Get You Connected. Get you connected. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for helping me. All right, so uh, tell us about this book and um, what's inside of it that we might uh, glean a little genius out of why questions are so important.
0: Yeah, you know, it um, it's an acronym. The word discover is eight purposes for asking questions, and it's based on about twenty years of research in the field with sellers and buyers. I'm, I'm more of a buyer side researcher. It, if you're the folks who are listening aren't in sales here's something I found interesting. It surprised me too. A lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs have told me that this is really, really helpful for them. So for what it's worth, you might find some value in just knowing that there's eight purposes for asking questions. The next uh, book that I'm putting out is is Discover Questions for Coaches. So that just tells you how translatable this is. Yeah.
1: So will you go through D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R or maybe peek inside a couple of those letters for us? Because we I like to you know why questions are so important. You know, I had Bob Td. I don't know if you know that name, uh, but he his big thing is questions as well. And I teach a class called Powerful Questions. And both of us went to coaching school. Questions are so magically powerful. It is incredible. They can change your life. So would you just maybe peek in a couple of those letters for me?
0: You bet. I'll just do a few. So uh, the first one, D, stands for data. We all ask lots of data questions. The purpose is we want the fact. We want the solid, proven information. Anytime that's your aim or your purpose, you're asking a data question. Here's one that people don't ask very often, but it's super important, and that is the V. The V stands for value questions. Why does that matter? Out of these three things, which one is most important? Uh, why, Why is that important? And this gives people a chance to, when you ask questions like that, it gives them a chance to work it out for themselves. It's a bonding question because now you understand people. Maybe you even tap into some of their intrinsic motivation and you understand why they will or won't do whatever you might be asking them to do in sales and management and any place else in life. So that's, the, that's two of them, just to give you the nature of, of what they're like. Uh, some of them we ask very often. There are others of these eight types that we don't ask very often, but they can be game changers when we know, oh, that, that would be a good thing to understand. And we incorporate that into our conversations. Mm,
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, if you visit uh, Deb's website, you'll find all eight letters with what they're about and those can help you. You know, um, we are uh, talking about leadership on the Vibrant Leadership podcast, but, you know, I I think leaders are in sales. Um, What's your take on that? Are leaders in in the sales business?
0: Not the way that that sales is stereotypically defined, but I don't even think that good salespeople are in that business. So maybe we'll just unbundle the two. Okay. Um, I believe that, that leaders, by the very nature of what they're trying to do, have to be influential and sometimes have to be persuasive and have to sell their ideas But you see, it's not about manipulating. I didn't use that word. It's not about tricking or or pushing. Those are all those, those stereotypes that even salespeople want to disassociate themselves from. But true selling with a pure intent of helping people, absolutely leaders do that. Yeah,
1: I think so, too. I think everything is sales. I mean, if you want to go out to dinner with your husband and you want to go to your restaurant, you're going to have to figure out how to get yourself there. <laughs> so there's there's all sorts of things that have to do with sales. So um, let me ask you the first question that I sent to you uh, when, when we decided to do this podcast, which is what is your definition of leadership?
0: Will you kind of give us your take on it? Yeah, that's an easy one for me, but it's not my definition. You mentioned that I'm a certified master with the Leadership Challenge, and I'm I'm really proud of of that honor. They make you work hard to get it, Um, but I I chose to become uh, affiliated with that particular pathway into leadership development uh, because it's evidence-based. And because it's so seminal, the work that Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner, authors of The Leadership Challenge and a whole lot of other books, uh, the work that they've done is, is cited in almost everything that's that's been done in leadership in the past three decades. So I'm gonna use their definition because I like it so much and there are some significant word choices within it. They say that leadership is the art of mobilizing others to want to struggle for shared aspirations. And mm. I, just, I just love that definition for a lot of reasons. Um, I'll, I'll jump straight to the one that most people sort of scratch their head about, and that is to want to struggle. Why would anybody want to struggle? And that's not fair. Leaders shouldn't make people struggle, right? Sometimes people get a little indignant about uh, that part of the definition. So I like to, to remind people that anything that we think is worth having for we will want to struggle for. So it's not struggle for the sh- sake of struggle. It's for shared aspirations. And by the way, Nicole, that's how you get your husband to the restaurant you want to, to go to, like right. what's in it for him? You know, okay. Shared aspiration. Um, but to want to struggle, people do, right? N- nothing. Nothing that we really ask people to do is necessarily easy. There's always going to be within any change, some... Internal or external struggle. So better to get people to a place where they want that than you're pushing and micromanaging. I know a word that's come up a few times in, in your recent interviews. Right? There's an option we can lead people to a place where they want to work for it. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: and I think that uh, most people do understand that you know you put the effort in, you get the reward. You know, um, and I, I and I uh, we were just talking before we got press the play button here uh, about the fact that uh, I got my master's degree done about a year ago. And, um, Uh, It was a struggle to figure out all the things to get that done, but I did read information that your co-authors and the gentleman that uh, gave you that uh, definition, I I read that when I was in my program. So you hang out with some really, really cool guys, Um, and they were also uh, helped you co-author
0: your second book. Is that correct? Yeah. So their their work around the Leadership Challenge, they have introduced something to the world called uh, the Five Practices of Exemplary Leadership. That's all based on on this evidence, this, this research that they've done worldwide with over 5 million people. So basically, the five practices of exemplary leadership are broken down into 30 behaviors that wow. leaders use more frequently than others, right? Effective leaders, the ones that we willingly choose to follow, they do these 30 things more often than other people do. Okay, so I was working in leadership, I also work in sales, and I had the thought one day of you know, the five practices, the 30 behaviors, what if sellers did that more often? How would buyers respond to that? And so I took that question to Jim and Barry. They were intrigued. And we uh, went through Santa Clara University to uh, do a research study about this very question. And we found that buyers like all 30 of those behaviors and, in fact, want to see all 30 of those behaviors more frequently and the sellers they choose to do business with. And that became the premise then for the book called Stop Selling and Start Leading that we co-authored.
1: That is genius. I love it. Okay. So um, at a high level, could you share with us what
0: the five practices are? You bet. So the, the first practice is to model the way. And that one, the behaviors underneath it are all about that you know your values, your own and, and your organizations, and that you align your actions with your values. You become a good example to other people. And you treat people uh, in ways that, that show your values. It's not random. It's not accidental. It's not based on your mood. You know, there, there's, um, everything is, is lined up. There's an integrity within that. The second of the uh, five practices is to inspire a shared vision. So a couple of pieces in that inspire, that that word, it means to breathe life into. So leaders know that they have to continually uh, be putting that vision back out there and helping people see how they're connected to the vision. Because it's not the leader's vision, it's a shared vision. Inspire a shared vision, double underlines under shared. Uh, you want it. And I want it. And the reason that we both want it is that we co-created it or I listened to you and understood what you wanted, needed. I didn't just make it up in my own head. And then number three is to challenge the process. Challenge the process is, you know, leaders are, well, they're restless. They are always asking what's new, what's next, what else. They're looking for the small wins, the incremental improvements. Um, They're willing to experiment and take some risks, all in the hope of moving more and more toward that shared vision. So that's the first three. The next one is enable others to act, collaborating, cooperating, uh, trusting others enough to let go and give them opportunities to to grow, uh, giving them the resources that are necessary to help them accomplish what you've asked them to accomplish. And then last but not least is encourage the heart and it's not encourage the mind, it's not encourage the body, the strength, it's the heart, which is an emotional piece. And it's encouraged not just at the end when people finally reach the goal, it's encouraged the effort, encourage what's happening along the way to help people to, to get where you're going.
1: Mm, I love it. Okay, so just to review because you might be on your treadmill or whatever you might not got all five of them but the first one was to model the way the next one was to inspire a shared vision and the shared is underlined twice with two exclamation points. Uh, To challenge the process, number three. Number four, enable others to act and encourage the heart, uh, which means to look at the effort that's getting done. Oh, I love that. So those are the five practices of exemplary leaders. And then these 30 behaviors are something that we could find in your book and then like maybe take one and try to start incorporating it into how we show up daily. Is that that your advice on how to apply the book? How do we apply all this?
0: Yeah, you know, I will send you but Stop Selling and Start Leading is is primarily about salespeople. So uh, you could leapfrog that one and go straight to the leadership challenge if you wanted to see the the parallels here as a leader. And if you really want to dive deep, you can take something called the leadership practices inventory. It's a 360 or a self-assessment that will tell you exactly how you are showing up with those exact specific 30 behaviors. So there are six of them under each of the five practices. That's awesome. And so if
1: somebody wanted to do that, would they connect directly with you through your website, Deb, so they could take the assessment?
0: Absolutely, you can. You can go to leadershipchallenge.com. You'll find me there with the other certified masters, but, you know, find your own way into it. There are multiple paths.
1: Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So another thing you talk about um, in your second book is step into your leadership potential. So, you know, uh, I'm hearing kind of like we've got to have the confidence to just you know, know that we have leadership inside of us. So how do you actually step into your potential?
0: Well, first you come to grips with the fact that whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you already are a leader. And some people grapple with that. They think, no, no, leaders are only the people at the top of an organization or leadership. That's only a, a select few who are born with certain charisma or other characteristics. Not true. I can prove to you it's not true because you can go to a playground and you can see four-year-olds and five-year-olds playing and there are just some things that certain people do at every level throughout any life, certain things that you've done too that cause people to watch and to pay attention and then to emulate you. So to step into your full potential as a leader, number one is come to grips with the fact that you already are a leader You already do make a difference. If you've never thought about that, look out because you're making a difference. Even so, it just might not be the difference you really want to make. And then number two, intentionally think about what is the difference I want to make? Where do people want to go? And how could I help? How could I guide them uh, to that place? And then look out, like once you do those things, you will have unleashed this awesome new creation inside yourself, uh, which is your own leadership, your ability to thoughtfully, intentionally take people to some place they want to go, some place where you can help them to get.
1: Mm, that's absolutely beautiful. And I, I totally see how that dovetails with sales, right? You, we don't want to sell you something. We want to take you where you want to go. Is that, is that the connection?
0: It's part of it. Absolutely. You know, the original root word of leadership or leader is laden, L-E-D-E-N, and it meant to guide. So that visual of being a guide is a, a critical one when you think about yourself or anyone as a leader.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then if you dovetail that with being able to do those um, five exemplary practices, um, you will be an amazing human on planet Earth getting amazing things done, correct? Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So you you say in your book also that there's just some simple behavior shifts that we can make. And, um, you know, I think that some leaders are super successful and we go, wow, how do they do it? And then others are like on the struggle bus, you know, they really struggle to lead. So what what are the simple behavior shifts that might help leaders just do better? Yeah.
0: Let me start with sort of a high level headline on that. Yeah. I see an awful lot of people struggle because they don't understand that there is a difference between managing work and leading people. And your job, if you have any title of authority, your job really is both. If you're only using the tool of managing work or tasks, well, first of all, that's short term. Secondly, it's not all that inspiring. And you, the more you use that authority or that command and control that comes from your title, the more you'll have to use it. And you're wearing people out, and you probably don't like it very much either. So that struggle, and where people find out that they don't have to struggle, is in leveraging the other side of it. How do I lead people so that I don't constantly have to tell them what to do, they want to do it, so that I don't constantly have to check up on people, they put in the emotional commitment, they they cared a lot about this, so the quality was built into it when I'm trusting people, enabling others to act, I'm also um, paying attention to things like I I listen to them. I treat them with dignity and respect. I help them to understand what it looks like for us to be successful together. And there's a two-way exchange that's going on there. I invite their diverse opinions. So these are some of the behaviors that cause you to be leading people, not just managing tasks and work.
1: Mm, that's fantastic. well I, I love your history where you um, were in HR for many years and so uh, what what is your leadership story? I know I have a lot of um, HR people that listen to the podcast. I do a lot of teaching at UNC Charlotte and work with people who are in HR. so I know that somebody out there is listening wondering like well how did she become the HR director inside of you know this this big company? Could you share a little bit about maybe your journey and what you did, what you lessons learned, et cetera?
0: Yeah. And to to be clear, not the HR director, but an HR director at a corporate level, because okay. my entire career had actually been in sales and I became a sales trainer where I worked. And one day we were owned by a parent company. But one day the publisher of the newspaper where I worked came in and said, hey, Deb, we need some leadership development here. And I said, oh, because I'd been doing sales training, leadership development, you mean like management training? And he's like, no, not just for managers, but uh, we probably need that too. But uh, I'm talking about leadership development for, you know, leaders everywhere, because we want to raise all the boats. And it's the first time I ever heard that, that phrase. So, yeah, so he left and I was very ponderous. I had this great big bookshelf that I'd inherited when I became the trainer. So I was looking at the bookshelf and there was one and only one book that on the spine had the word leadership on it. That was the Leadership Challenge, first edition. So I got an early introduction to Jim and Barry before I ever moved to California and got to work with them directly. But it caused me, I read the book, it caused me to start understanding leadership at a very young early time in in my career and how it was different from management because I'd had exactly one management job before I took on that training role. So anyways, flash forward, I began doing something there in our market, which was one of the top five markets for the, the corporate parent company and it was catching on. Our sales were rocking. That was from the sales training. The management program I put together was bringing people through, you know, an upskilling of of supervisory skills. And then we were doing this leadership development that really got a lot of people's attention, especially two years later, you know, when the publisher said in a big meeting on on one of those calls with shareholders uh, that what Deb Calvert was doing was making a difference in our bottom line. So, you know, then I started getting invitations to the other newspapers and I went went to Philadelphia, I went to Miami, I went to Fort Worth, and corporate said, no, we need you to come here and and start doing this from the corporate level. So they bought me in as an HR director to work across the organization with sales training and leadership development.
1: Mm, That's fantastic. So um, you know there are a lot of um, people that listen to the podcast, and maybe their company isn't so big Um, And they're thinking about how how do we do leadership development inside of a smaller organization? Um, What's your experience with that? How would you start if I was just sitting here thinking, okay, we have got to do some leadership development, get our ducks in a row so so that we can have these leaders that help us grow? How would you you, uh, advise them or counsel them?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, this is for anybody at any level. Leadership at every level is a real thing. Um, You don't have to be aiming for the CEO job. You don't have to already have the CEO job to be thinking of yourself as a leader and to have more impact and effectiveness, nor do you need to be in a company that's of some large size. I coach, I'm sure you do too, Nicole. I coach people who are solopreneurs. They're just getting started or they've been a financial planner for 20 years, but it's just them and maybe one or two assistants. They still need to be leaders, working with clients, leading themselves, Uh, There are many applications. How do you get started? Well, you know, there's some of this work that you can do yourself. I do recommend Jim and Barry's work. There are 30 plus books, but there are lots of other tools. You'll find some on my website. You'll find some on the leadershipchallenge.com website, and there are lots of other good resources. So I try to point to those in my Connect to Lead blog almost every week. What can you do? Well, One easy thing to do, and I I really don't know why more people don't do this, is to hire yourself an executive coach, right? Talk to Nicole, talk to me, talk to anybody who's ICF certified, because that does make a difference, and begin to think about, a coach will help you think about your goals for your own professional development. Stretch yourself. You really, see, you can't lead if you are stuck in the status quo, that nobody ever got excited by a leader set who said, Hey, let's go do more of the same things we've always been doing. There's nothing there. So, to be able to press yourself, to challenge yourself, and even inspire yourself, that's part of becoming a, a, a leader who can then do that with and for other people. But you've got to get okay with it and, and used to it for yourself first. Your credibility. Depends on you being good at it. Before you say, "Oh yeah," this other person in my organization, they got to do something different. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I'm curious why you decided to become a coach. My my story is is that I had been in training and development for years and years and years, and I don't know. I got wind of this idea of coaching, and I was like, you know, I hadn't heard of it, And, uh, and that was in 2007. Um, and then I picked up a book um, by Lori Beth Jones um, about coaching and I read it and I was like, this is what the whole world needs. We all need like an advocate. We need somebody in our corner who will see our potential, challenge us to actually bring it to work, right? And, and put it to work. And, uh, and I think when I learned to ask good questions and became an excellent listener, like, I had a radical change in my life. I, be, I, be, I became uh, more likable as a human because I was asking questions and um, and listening better. And then also uh, when you, you learn about coaching, you become so sensitive to the outcomes of your own life and, and those of others. It's, it's just all about doing your best work. I mean, it's just fantastic. So what is your story? How did you find coaching? How did it find you? And and what happened to you when you became a coach? Because I think leaders should take a coaching course of some sort or get the skills in their toolbox.
0: Absolutely. The questioning skills and the listening skills being paramount of those. Yes. Um, Well, I was actually sort of pushed into it when I took that corporate role. There was a list of you need to do this and you should do that and you've got to have this credential and it was it was so overwhelming like I I cried like within Aww. my first two weeks of having relocated across the country and then finding out there was this mountain of stuff that I didn't already know how to do um, so I was completely overwhelmed but you know I, I I like to learn so you know once I got myself together it it became exciting. And becoming a credentialed coach was a part of that because I was going to oversee the trainers and coaches and all the other markets. So, um, without being able to find it myself, I, I got thrust into it, and I'm sure glad that I did. It, as you said, it's it's life changing, and I I'm so gratified by throughout now the the past twenty years the the people who have come to me and and said even many years later. What a difference I made in their life, and how much I I helped them. And I mean, to me, that that's what it's all about. More than anything else, I'm I'm super energized by and honored by by those kinds of opportunities.
1: Yeah, and and I think too that you know uh, leaders want to leave a legacy, or most ones that I meet, you know, they they didn't get in the CEO role or an executive VP role because they just. Wanted to make the money associated with that. They wanted to make a truly wanted to make a difference, and then you know impact the people along the way. That's fantastic. Um, so uh, you said on your website, I, I wrote a couple of things down as you talked about that um, leadership. is a lot about putting values into actions, visions into reality, uh, creating uh, innovation out of obstacles, um, and separateness into solidarity and risk into rewards. I just thought these five phrases were fantastic. Um, how, how, do, how can leaders turn their values into actions?
0: Okay. So those five phrases, uh, they are about the book, Stop Selling and Start Leading. And they actually marry up with the five practices of exemplary leadership. We're sneaky there and um, how that all fits together. Oh, <laughs> I love how it. Do you. Yeah. How do you put your values into action? Number one, you know what your values are. Not what you aspire for your values to be, but what they really are and you do the gut check, right? So I say that I have a value, one of my my values is family, bedrock value family. All right, well, if I were following you around for let's say six days, so it includes at least one weekend day, is that what I'd see? Would I see you spending time with your family? Would I see you being at your best with your family, not just taking them for granted and being exhausted so that you watch TV and, and bark at them? Uh, Would I see that you on your calendar have time uh, for your family or are they incidental? There's no judgment here. Maybe family isn't the value that you profess it or think it to be. And that's okay. Nobody can judge another person's values. That's not right. But don't call it a value because then you lose your credibility if the actions and the words don't line up. Maybe your value is something like mine. One of my values is productivity. It goes in my business name because I care that much about it. But I can't voice that value onto other people. So what if I like to to measure the amount of work I'm able to accomplish in a shorter and shorter period of time? That's just me. But you gotta know first. And then you align when you do figure out what they really are. If you're off, if your actions aren't quite matching, okay, family really is my value. This is a miss. I now realize it. Well, you've got that information. So you take deliberate, conscious actions to reflect your value in your actions. And it's a real commitment. It's a, it's a, introspective, deep level of work that, that you do. But once you do it, you then have a, an internal compass. You know how to prioritize, how to manage your time, when to say yes, when to say no. It all becomes so clear and so much easier than the day-to-day jumble that, that you might be experiencing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've got a list. I, you may have one as well that I work with clients. That's a list of core values so that people are like, well, where do I go find these values? I'm like, I got a list for you to look at. When, and then of course you can't always Google, um, but you can uh, reach out to me if you need a list of those values. Cause I love your one about productivity. Yeah. That's just so fantastic that you're trying to do more and more in less time and figure out shortcuts and, and workarounds and systems and strategies. I love that. So um, long right. as the
0: quality is still there, right? I'm not, didn't say efficiency different thing
1: <laughs> yeah okay very good very good yeah. I love it okay so how does a leader turn a vision into reality let's talk about that one for just a moment because you know it's a big big work out there people are like what's your vision statement what's your mission statement so how do you actually turn that vision into a reality
0: not by yourself number one remember shared is underlined okay. uh, people there's this mythology that it's lonely at the top well if you're experiencing that, you're doing it all wrong. So you want to be able to lead and create other leaders around you. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt has a quote that says, a good leader causes others to have confidence in the leader. A great leader causes others to have confidence in themselves. Mm, so I love it. Step one to bringing things into reality is that it's not you alone. You've got lots of people who are leaders in their own right, who are also working toward that. You also have to keep it front and center. If this is our vision and this is where we're going, we can't be distracted by the day-to-day and all the fires that we're putting out and our failure to trust and delegate so that we are constantly doing the busy work stuff. So we have to have clarity, we have to have others, and we have to to struggle sometimes and not to abandon that journey when it becomes a little bit difficult. Just build it in, it's not always gonna be easy. But the only way you're ever going to bring it to reality is to make that deep, deep commitment and and keep going.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. And so the, the last one I want to talk about here is um, separateness versus solidarity. I'm hearing that that's a little bit what you're like. You're not alone. Um, it, it repeats there. But can you talk a little bit specifically about separateness versus solidarity, that alone at the top thing you said they were doing wrong?
0: Yeah, um, and by the way, these are the things I'm describing to you, not in the exact language, but they're reflective of those thirty behaviors that we talked about earlier too. Yeah. So separateness—it happens a lot in business. We have, an, you know, the lone wolf kind of person. We've got um, our our measure of effectiveness when we're at an individual contributor level is all about our autonomy, our independence, our initiative, our whatever. You know, that causes us sometimes to compete with others and to jockey for position. That's all fine and well for some types of jobs and at some levels, but it is different from leadership because it's really hard to bring others with you if you're a lone wolf or if you're competing with them. So how do we get to a place of solidarity? Well, we've got our shared aspiration we also are likely to have some shared values that, that bring us together. And when I'm encouraging the heart, especially if I am celebrating and recognizing things you've done that demonstrate our shared values, well, then I'm creating even, even deeper bonds. And we have even more that, that brings us and keeps us together. And when the struggles come, it's easier to, to be together than it is to try to battle those alone
1: hundred percent. Oh, I love that. Well, there's probably uh, one special listener that's um, sitting there going, gosh, I hope she drops one more piece of genius for me before this (laughs) podcast ends. So if you were mentoring a single special listener, maybe it is a sales leader. Um, I have had other people who are sales gurus on the Vibrant Leadership podcast, and I know that most organizations have to have some kind of product that goes out the door, uh, that earns revenue. So if there's a ment- if you were to mentor a single special listener, what one piece of advice would you give them, leave them with?
0: Yeah, I will go with one that's um, a value to me, but it's also a standby piece of advice. Awesome. And that is, uh, make sure you're putting people first. Whatever you're trying to do, processes, profits, doesn't matter. People are what will get you there. So you've gotta put people first and it's about enabling them, the right resources, the right training, but it's also about ennobling them. And that is a real word. Uh, To ennoble means to make someone feel worthy or important. And you do that by giving people time, being available for them, asking questions, listening to their answers, treating them like it's a human to human exchange, not some transaction to get the job done. You know, when you enable and ennoble people and you put them first, you're going to end up with higher levels of employee engagement. That always means more additional discretionary effort and better quality output. So you're going to accelerate to getting whatever you want to from a manager or leader perspective, whatever you want to get to. And you're going to find that you're not only unleashing your own leadership potential, but you're doing something called entelechy, and it feels like this is a word vo- vocabulary class or something.
1: <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, Deb. I love vocabulary words. In my every morning when I have my quiet time, if I read something I don't know a word, I write it down, I look it up. I, I'm just like a little nerd. I'm a little. I'm like a little fifth grader with my vocabulary list.
0: <laughs> so I love what you're doing. All right. Well, entelechy, another real word, it comes from Greek, and it means to. Bring out the full potential. It's what coaches do. It's what leaders do. And it's what you'll be doing if you're putting people first. And that
1: is uh, the name of her organization, right? So um, let's make sure we know how to
0: uh, get a hold of Deb. We want to go to www.peoplefirstproductivity. So PS. Okay. .com is the website. The PS stands for Productivity Solutions. That's the business name. People First Productivity Solutions.
1: Okay, fantastic. And I am telling you, I'm not even kidding. I went to her website. There is a plethora Of information, there's a series of webinars. There, uh, there's uh, ways to get a hold of her books. The ideas that she's sharing and representing, um, I think that you would just be crazy if you didn't go visit it and then, of course, purchase one of her books. She has got a lot to offer you with leadership. Deb, I'm delighted that you've been on uh, the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Uh, I followed her today on Twitter, LinkedIn, and on Facebook. I suggest you do that too, and then uh, you can go to the website and. can also uh, get on a mailing list, right, to get your um, your, uh, blog. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, so um, we send out a weekly newsletter. It includes that week's blog. We always put a video and some other little um, bits and pieces of information each week. So connect to lead community is what that's called. Look for that on the website.
1: Okay, fantastic. All right. I thank you so much, Deb, uh, for being on the
0: Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Nicole, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for the time uh, that we had today.
1: Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique shine method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx Talk at vibrantcoaching.com
0: slash TED Talk.